This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Coach, we're all ready to play. My name's John A. Tate. This is the Sporting Record. I'm here with a very fresh-faced James Tate. Yes, I am fresh. I am ready to go. Looking slick. I'm here with M. Collard in a free Palestine t-shirt. Absolutely. G'day, well, g'day. Well done. And we're here to talk sports and radical stuff. Yep, sport and stuff and politics of sport and stuff. That's what we do here at the Sporting Record. We've got an interview second half of the program. Yes, with director Mitch Novellis, which will be fantastic, talking about local footy and their new feature film, Equal the Contest. But before that, we're going to freewheel a bit, which is going to be a good bit of fun. And before the freewheeling, the Sporting Record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We'd also like to celebrate the incredible achievements of First Nations athletes and their contribution to this country's sporting life. Well said. So funny that you're wearing a free Palestine shirt, M, because one of the big stories this week was that the Socceroos played Palestine, the mm. Socceroos being the men's soccer team, national soccer team in Australia. We played Palestine and we won 1-0. What have we got about that? Well, I stayed up and watched it, 1am in the morning. Did you watch it, M? I did not. I only woke up to the news. <laughs> How did you find it? Well, I felt obliged to stay up and watch it because it's, it's the Socceroos who I love watching, but it was against Palestine and there's mm. just a whole sympathy thing going on there. So I stayed up. Wasn't a bad game. Uh, it was close, so that mm. was exciting about it. Um, but this morning, I came across an article by journalist Emma Kemp, mm-hmm. and I've got to congratulate her. This is from the Age newspaper because it's a beautifully written article. Uh, the title of it was "Sutar the Hero as Socceroos Get Over Palestine." So the big six foot eight guy, uh, central defender. What's his first name? I forget. Anyway, Harry. 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 Harry Sute. So he was the best player for us by a mile. But that's right. But the article wasn't about that. The article was about some elements of the game were normal. Other elements were quite unusual because mm. of the whole situation. Mm. Yeah. And I'll just read two paragraphs because I thought it was beautifully put. That war puts this game in a unique context. It attaches more meaning to the kefirs. Yes. Palestine players wore for their pre-match national anthem. Mm. That's the thing around their neck that they they wear. It's a scarf that they wear that symbolises the struggle of Palestinians and the, you know, their plight to be free. Yeah. And it reminds the viewer that while the 198-centimetre Sutar was putting away his 10th international goal uh, as a centre-back, one of the Palestine defenders who might have helped stop his 1-0 winner 
was, according to a BBC report, still sifting through the remains of his house, having helped retrieve the bodies of his neighbours after an October 30 airstrike. Ibrahim Abouimir could not be selected for his country's first World Cup qualifiers because he is still stuck in Gaza, along with teammates Khaled Al-Nabri and Ahmed Al-Qaed. That the trio are reportedly starting their days queuing for water forces a new interpretation of Palestine's performance against the Socceroos. Well-written Emma Kemp. Yeah, that's really... I think that's really well-written because it's been... um, interesting to see the way that people have approached writing about this and reporting it because it isn't just a soccer game between two matches and I think this is where ultimately sport and politics and people collide and we have to acknowledge that you can't have one without the other because sports teams are made up of people and people come from places and have their unique experiences and as it happens at the moment some of them can't they're affected by this and when people always say like oh keep politics out of sports like you just can't do that it's it's powerful and like it's really it's devastating those players can't get out of gaza to play for their country but it's also as because they're trying to help their neighbors or save their families or just survive is difficult to hold in weight and like difficult to imagine that you've got a team from australia who aren't in that position of having to, you know, be stuck where they are and try and save themselves and their families. Like, yeah. it's it's just kind of mind-boggling to try and hold those two things and hold space for those two things at the same time. Mm. Yeah. I think it was, um, from what I hear, an incredibly, like, a close game, like you said, and maybe not the best game, but I think it's so, like, I'm almost, like, I have no reason to be, but I'm so proud of like that Palestinian team for continuing to prepare mm. and like play and do so well because I think it like it's I just can't imagine how they're doing that knowing that there are people at home like and they're like their friends and their family may not survive mm. like I just it, yeah it's incredible and I'm yeah and it's wonderful to see they had good support in the stands mm-hmm. there's a lot of Palestinians living in Kuwait apparently and yes. they all turned up with uh, signs and flags and a lot of enthusiasm yeah and the game was played in good spirit the, I, I think the Aussies should be proud of themselves um, for their support and their encouragement and mm. uh, part of their match payments going to um, humanitarian efforts in Palestine, in yeah. Gaza. Yeah, that's right, which is really great because I think, again, it's when you're in these positions and you know that you're in a privileged position as the Australians, as Australian team is that they have. I mean, there are some people, especially in creative arts world, like film and television in Hollywood, people who are very well established that are losing jobs over their support for Palestine. Um, and so, But you have to acknowledge if you're that, the Australian team, you're in a position where you can say something, oh, you can affect positive change, and it's good to see that they made a step towards that. Mm, Well said, well said. So we extend our sympathies and support to all those in Palestine and all those adjacent to Palestine who may be living other other places in the diaspora. Um, Our thoughts are with you. We firmly say free Palestine, and we hope that a ceasefire can come soon. Yes. Well, they have announced a four-day ceasefire, but after that, like, what, well, they're just going to, you know, like, what is it? It's not going to, it's not the solution. It's ceasefire and freedom and end of occupation. Yeah. It's And it's like all these things. 
Um, if anyone, you know, is interested in attending rallies, this rally at Sunday at 12 p.m. outside the State Library has been wonderfully attended and it's a family-friendly event to go along to and you'll be there in support with community and solidarity. Um, and if you've th- been thinking about it, I'll be there. Lots of people, wonderful people will be there. It's a good, good thing to get down to if you're not sure what to do. Well said. So moving on now, we've got another story that Em's got, and that is to do with influential athletes. Is that right, Em? Mm, that is right. Um, I feel like this is in some ways along our uh, Good News Week thought news. Sometimes it's nice to have some positive news out of the sporting world. Um, and so this comes from the Female Athlete Project, um, and they have reported that Though only 15% of sports media coverage is dedicated to women's sports, more than half of 2023's top 25 most marketable athletes are in fact women, which is huge. And also reported today that more people have been tuning in to the women's um, US Open final over the last few years than than the men's. There's a lot of the tide is turning and... I think people are tuning in. I don't know if sponsors are really quite recognizing that yet, but it's great to see that the numbers are reflecting the people behind the people power behind watching sports. So you can imagine if only 15% of coverage is going to women's sports. Can you imagine if it was 50, 50? Like, Mm. I think that's what people don't quite understand. It's like people, if you invest in women's sports, you bring a whole other, whole other huge amounts of demographics in not just women, gender diverse people, people have always felt excluded. And often those people are the people who are willing to buy into merch and sponsorships and um, club memberships and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's, and then that helps female athletes in their plight to get, you know, equal pay. So, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're doing amazing things with the miserable amount of money that's being invested currently into yeah, and it's, gender diverse sports. You could only imagine what they could do mm, if it was fifty-fifty, let's say. Yeah, it's extraordinary, mm. extraordinary. So, good numbers, and it's good to watch this space. I imagine things will start moving in this shortly. Like people will start to see the sort of metrics that you can get in investing in that in women's sport. But they're coming out. It's coming. It's coming. Another good news story mm. from me. It's my favourite time of year with the uh, all the draft machinations in the mm. AFL. I get very nerdy at this time of year and uh, do all my research and draw up my, my phantom draft and the whole thing. Great. But I'd just quickly like to say congratulations out of the uh, 60 to 70 players who were drafted to AFL clubs. Uh, there's two South Sydney's lads drafted. Yep. Um, Tew Jayath was drafted at number 37 to Collingwood. And he's the brother of CJ, who plays somewhere, Adelaide or somewhere? Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Yep. He's really good. So, congratulations, Tew, T-E-W. And Essendon drafted a lad called Luamon Luau, the yeah. pick 39. Speedy halfback. And look, the, the South Sudanese kids, they're athletic it's an interesting formula, isn't it? They're athletic, a lot of fast twitch fibres. They can run, they can jump, generally speaking. But bring them into Australian society where we have excellent nutrition, excellent sporting facilities, excellent coaching. Pfft, the sky's the limit. Again, 
imagine what could be done if we actually invested heavily into these communities, you know, the South Sudanese diaspora, for example. Imagine, imagine what could be done if we invest heavily in them because we're barely investing anything and there's still amazing athletes coming out of those spaces. Mm. And we've always said sport's a great way to fit in, find your place in the new community yep. and, uh, and direct your energy into something pretty positive. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly right. So the elephant in the room as well is that Australia is now the world champion of cricket in the mm. men's competition, which is something that we, we didn't follow too closely because every other bloody media outlet follows it pretty closely. Mm. So. Yeah, if you needed information on that, everyone was giving you breakdowns and all that, but it's still a worthy um, achievement, especially considering beating India in a World Cup final in India is something pretty special. And they had a game plan and you could see they went out and just executed it to perfection, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. It was, and India was undefeated in this competition. Mm -hmm. They were the red-hot favourite, and they had the home crowd who was bloody loud. 150,000 or 130,000? 130,000, It doesn't make a difference once it's above 100,000. It's just a shitload of people. Yeah. Shitload. Um, But Australia put, put them to the sword. They... They silenced the crowd on many exa- examples, mm. and it was phenomenal watching. It was strange when something happened and the crowd would be dead silent. Oh, like when Col- when uh, Cummins bowled Coley, Deafening. and it was deaf. And like um, Col- uh, Cummins in the after in the post match interview said something about, "Oh, it's okay. They, the crowd weren't too loud for most of it," which I think really is demonstrative of just how many moments they were. They in disbelief that their team wasn't performing. And when Coley got out, you could just, like, it's such a cliche, but you could hear a pin drop. (laughs) It was deafening. So that's the good news. And just a quick AFLW update before we go to the break. Of course, Geelong upset the reigning Premier's Melbourne by five points on the weekend, which is just unbelievable. If you can, watch the last two minutes of that game. Absolutely unbelievable football. Incredible. Geelong finished sixth on the ladder. And Melbourne finished second, I believe, mm. and Geelong upset them by five points, which is unbelievable. 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 <laughs> and then Adelaide smashed Sydney by 67 points, which is to be expected, the first team playing the eighth team. So now we've got the prelim finals. We've got Brisbane v Geelong on Saturday um, in Brisbane. Um, but we've got Kangaroos versus Adelaide at Icon Park on Sunday in the afternoon. So I'd say all sporting record fans get down. It's ten dollar tickets for a good day out and it's for, a bargain. For it's the, it's, it's a, bargain. a bargain of an afternoon. For, it will be great watch. But they probably football. won't take cash. You've got to actually book your ticket beforehand and have an app on your phone and a barcode and all that sort of. Yeah, I think you can book. I think crap. you can pay get a ticket at the door, but you probably do need to have a card on you. <laughs> Unfortunately. So there we go. We'll, we'll jump to <laughs> Sorry, a break. John. <laughs> we'll jump to a break now, and then when we get back, we'll be talking to director Mitch Navalis about their new film, Equal the Contest. Public transport's great. What's not great is that unless you've got a radio with you, you can't listen to 3CR when you're on it. Until now, the Community Radio Plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are. Get on board and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. Times on my mind when I had to find a side. Am I thinking loud? Do I want to 
Tune in to Health Sovereignty, 3CR's International Day of People with Disability broadcast on 3rd of December, 7am to 7pm. We're talking about what health, well-being and body sovereignty mean for multiply marginalised disabled people, their kin and communities living on unceded Indigenous lands with programming by disabled broadcasters from the 3CR and broader community. Visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2023. That is Sports by the Amazing Viagra Boys. And now we are joined by Mitch Nivalis, who is a filmmaker and photographer with a commitment to social change, particularly around inclusion and visibility for diverse communities. And their recently completed Masters in Photography was the impetus for the new feature film Equal the Contest, which is their first feature created on Jar Jar Warren land where Mitch lives and works. Welcome to The Sporting Record, Mitch. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So what inspired you to make a film about your local football team, just to start us off? Uh, I came out of the supermarket in lockdown, one of the COVID lockdowns, and I saw a lone poster in a cafe that was all boarded up, and it said, women and gender diverse people welcome, come and try footy. And I'd never been interested in football before that, but just that line that gender diverse people were welcome, it stopped me and it made me want to know what kind of people were... Um, creating a club that was going to make that a really welcoming space for people like me. So I just went along and had a kick and loved it. Awesome. Hey, Mitch, this is Em here. Um, Thanks so much for joining us today. I personally am really invested in your story and the film and how it came to be, Um, particularly as also I have been playing footy and – it's been hard to find my place, I guess, especially in more elite forms of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was honest, also just wondering, you hadn't played before. Did you like learning to play and enjoy learning that process? I mean, I know it must have been difficult alongside trying to create a film, but did you, yeah, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I mean, it was extremely challenging alongside making a film, but in terms of the learning to play footy, it was, you know, I'm, I'm nearly 44 now, but I started this, journey when I was 42 and it made me feel like I was about 10 years old again and um, just you know my, I think I feel like my body just came alive again and gave me so much energy and it's just been such an incredible process learning to play and just that excitement and 
reminder that I'm still very much alive and my body is very, very capable. In fact, far more capable than I ever imagined it was. Yeah, that's awesome. I love, like, I found that as well playing footy. You get to learn to use your body in a new way and be around like-minded people, especially, like, the queerness of footy now I think Mm -hmm. is really special to be around that environment. Um, I was also wondering how have you found the film to have been received so far in terms of, like, people being able to see themselves in that film or have you seen a sort of impact of on people once they've seen it? Yeah, and that's been quite remarkable. You know, when I was making this film, particularly in the beginning, there was I was never meant to be in the film and when it turned out, when I realised that was that was kind of what was needed, I was terrified that no one would care about my story, you know. I'm I'm unknown, no one knows who I am and I thought my story was insignificant but um, the more people that see it, every single time we have a screening, people come up to me afterwards and just say things like, that's my story as well, or thank you, I've never seen myself reflected on screen. You know, just the the gutching after the film each time it's screened all over the place is, has been incredible and extremely validating. Yeah, that's like, I was reading through a little bit today in prep for this and just being able to read a lot of what you had said, it like almost made me quite emotional and like to see, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And I think this mm-hmm. is, it's yeah, it's really beautiful, like to see that you've been able to create this. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Now, Mitch, it's a lot about your story, but also the movie takes an unexpected term, turn and the team has to fight to play. What can you tell us about that without giving away too many spoilers, of course? Yeah, sure. Um, It's pretty public knowledge these days. But, um, yeah, basically what happened was there was no women's team out in our region near Castlemaine. And so a few people got together and didn't have much luck trying to engage the local men's clubs and so started their own team, put in a very comprehensive submission to AFL Central Victoria. And, unfortunately, uh, we didn't get granted application to... um, to field a team in 2022 and you know luckily for us I guess I had already started documenting and so that I got to follow that journey and Mm. um and follow all the ups and downs and basically you know when we talk about gender inequality and the barriers to sport everything that possibly could have gone wrong went wrong for us and so I was there the whole way documenting those experiences and I think that's part of it as well in that um no matter what background you're from you're likely to see yourself reflected on screen because so many things uh, happened for us that happened to every woman and gender diverse person trying to play uh, any sort of sport anywhere in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was also maybe in in relation to that, um, something that you mentioned in creating the film was that you'd go look for funding in um, corporate organisations, um, philanthropic funders, and were so often given the, this sounds amazing, but not interested in providing any funding. Um, what do you think about about the film and why do you think that people think, oh, it's a great idea, but I'm not keen to invest in it from your point of view? Yeah, I'm not really sure what that was about. Um, I mean, definitely part of it was that I had never made a feature film before. So despite 18 years of running my own filmmaking company and doing short films and this felt like a really natural progression for me um i guess not having had that previous experience made people nervous i think also there was a nervousness around a film that was going to be challenging afl's decisions and Mm. you know the 
there's very few organisations at the end of the day that are willing to put their ethics and morals on the table and, and stand up for, uh, I guess, the right thing. And um, So it was really challenging, but I, I was, in the end, really incredibly fortunate to partner with Big Health. And since the film has come out, there's been a number of organisations that have wholeheartedly thrown their their weight and their support behind the film. And, you know, they weren't organisations that I even had the ability to contact when I was making the film. So it's just been the the ongoing knock-on effect of all of the all of the publicity and interest that has come since the release or since the film festival started that, um, you know, more and more people are getting on board. So it's it's been quite amazing now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a credit and testament to the film that you've you've been able to put together. I'll just pass to John. Mitch, it's Thank John you. here. I was sitting in the corner not intending to take part in this conversation, <laughs> but I nearly fell off the chair because did I hear you right in saying that the local established clubs weren't interested in the team forming yeah. under their umbrella? Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, I mean, this... Probably the executives of the club could could go into this further, but there definitely was uh, a strong push with one particular local club to connect and to be, you know, to, to join forces. But um, we had two two key things that we wanted, and one of them was to maintain the, all the money, any money that we brought into the club. We wanted that to go directly to the women's team, and that was denied, and so... That was the reason the, our executives then chose to go off and, and form their own standalone club. Um, I've just got one final question for you about the club itself. Um, you've mentioned that they have made the club and playing football really accessible. And I was just wondering uh, what to, I mean, even to lots of sporting organisations who might be really keen to create a more inclusive environment, what does that mean to provide an accessible an inclusive space, um, both for you personally and, and at the club, what was working really well? Um, oh, God, gosh, lots of things. One of the big things that we have been talking about quite publicly and that has really resonated strongly is the use of language within a club and making that really, really clear and moving away from gendered language so that everyone feels like they're welcome. So the Mount Alexander Falcons do have an inclusive language guide up on their website that, uh, everyone that comes to work within our clubs, whether they're volunteers or contractors or players, um, are aware of that language guide and, and aware of how important that is and, and understand why we do that. So that's been really powerful. And there's also been a lot of work behind the scenes and within the club running workshops and uh, just really setting the tone for what it is to make sure that everyone feels welcome and understood and supported. Yeah, absolutely. We we talk about a lot about language on the show and how that just minor changes that in that even can make such a significant um, difference. So yeah, for those of you who'd love to go along and watch um, uh, a showing of the film, there's showings next week in Sunbury, Kyneton, Brunswick East and Mildura. And there's details on how and when those events are occurring on the Equal the Contest website. Um, I'm planning, I think I'm going to plan to try and get to the one in Brunswick East next week because I'm really excited to go along and see the film. Right, and all of those screenings are free. They've been all put on by 
the local councils and local organisations. So, yeah, it's a really amazing thing to be part of and, and to align with the 16 days of activism to, you know, create those conversations around equality and gender equity. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, I can't wait to see see the film and congratulations on producing it and, and creating it. Like, it's a wonderful achievement. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. That was filmmaker and photographer Mitch Navalis, whose debut film, The Equal Contest, you can catch at free screenings, like M said. Just go to the website, equalthecontest.au. I'll say that one more time. Equalthecontest.au for all the information there. How good's a film about local footy and inclusion and all that stuff? Oh, so good. I can't wait. I'm, I'm thrilled. But what's wrong with the local clubs not getting behind it in the yeah, first place? Yeah. Anyway, no, I can well, speak on that. Come for on, a while. fellas, <laughs> get your act together. Well, we can, you can learn more about that if you go to the film. I'm show. going. I'm yeah. going. All right, so we'll see you there. You <laughs> so we're just about up on time. Just before we go, what's on for your sporting weeks, John and M? Well, I'm planning to try and get to that game, Adelaide, in the. North Kangaroos on Sunday, 3 or 5 at Icon Park. $10 tickets. $10 I'll say that ticket. again. $10 tickets. Yeah. And then equal contest um, film screening next week. How good? Well, How I'm doing you? nothing. But I did want to say we've got now got a, our own Gmail email thing, thing-o. We do. What's the story there, Em? We have our new Gmail account, the.sporting.record at gmail.com. So if you have any feedback, if you've got some suggestions for stories you'd like us to cover or people you think would be interesting for us to interview or you just want to say g'day, you can email us at that email, the.sporting.record at gmail.com. We'd welcome all your feedback because, you know, the, the more feedback we get, the more we can uh, deliver a good We just program. want to get better. Yeah. So that's that. So this has been The Sporting Record. You can j- catch us every Thursday at 4 p.m. And until next time, as we say every time now, John, stay sporty. (laughs) Stay tuned in to 3CR Community Radio.